Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Word of God for our special consideration this Sunday is the last verse of our second reading, Romans 9.16. So then, it does not depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when Charlene and I lived in Bogota, Colombia, the first year, or when we were first married, one of the things that we had to get used to was children on the streets begging. Most of the time, it was just sad. But from about the end of November to Christmas, it got downright annoying. They'd get right up in your face and say, Regálame mi Navidad. It wasn't a request, it was a demand. Give me my Christmas. Somehow they had gotten it into their heads that simply by virtue of being children or because they commanded it, at that time of the year, they deserved to have you give them the money they wanted. Undoubtedly, it was the adults who manipulated them who first gave them that idea or, or strategy. And it must have worked fairly well because they kept at it all season. Now, that doesn't just illustrate something tragic about the economy or society there at the time. It also shows how the idea that we are owed and that we deserve better than we have is not found only in adults. It's hardwired into our sinful natures from little on up. Every one of us probably has stories to tell about treats or presents that we, des- you know, we thought we deserved as, as children, or, or rights that we felt our parents or teachers were trampling on when they did horribly unjust things like insist that we do our homework or housework before playing games or, or disciplined us for not doing what we were supposed to do. Growing up does not eliminate the sense that good things should be coming to us. Perhaps you know someone who was convinced that he or she absolutely deserved a promotion at work, even though the best that could be said was that he usually showed up for his shifts or that she had never actually been caught stealing Maybe there was a time when you yourself insisted that you had a right to some good thing or privilege, when all you could really put forth as argument was that you wanted it and thought you should have it. You might also remember, it doesn't matter whether it's real life or fiction, some all-too-common story of a, a wealthy person who dies, and immediately his heirs or her heirs, start arguing and jockeying over who will inherit what, each claiming that they deserve the the bigger portion or the better stuff, regardless of what the will or trust might say. Many times when we have the luxury of observing such insistence on on justice and getting what's coming to them from a, a distance, we are amused maybe, but particularly 
disgusted by these people's priorities and and lack of perspective. In the long run, we might say, what does it really matter anyway? But when it concerns us directly, well, there seems to be no question about whether or not it matters. And if you were the rich relative making your will, who did or didn't deserve what could certainly matter to you, even if you chose to ignore it all and just be generous. As it turns out, despite our natural human tendency to think that we deserve good things, what we really need and desire is for anyone with something to give to ignore everything and just be generous with us. Because we are nowhere near as deserving as we think. A single insult can erase a lifetime of loving words for a friend or family member. One law broken when nobody's looking puts the lie to your claims to be an upstanding citizen. Rolled eyes and contemptuous sighs show anything but the respect that you owe to your parents. And if all of our thoughts were words spoken out loud, we know that most of our relationships, especially our marriages, would not survive the offenses given. So it's not really what we deserve that we want. It's mercy. Mercy is getting the opposite of what we deserve. Getting good not because of, but in spite of who we are and what we have done. Mercy is never anything that we can claim. It is only something we can ask or beg for. But our wanting it doesn't make it mean anything to anyone else. Mercy has to mean something to the one we want it from. It has to matter enough for him to give it and enough for us to be able to rely on it. And in that, we are blessed to have the God that we do. Mercy matters to him more than we will ever understand this side of heaven. When Paul, in our reading from Romans, quotes the, the word, words of the Lord to Moses in Exodus 33, <clears throat> Exodus 33, I will show mercy to whom I show mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. That is our Creator and Almighty God telling us who He is and what He is like, and that He is all about mercy. A few verses later in Exodus, God proclaims His name to Moses. And it's nothing like a, Hi, my name is Cheryl label that tells you hardly anything about a person's character. He calls Himself the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and overflowing with mercy and truth, maintaining mercy for thousands, forgiving guilt and rebellion and sin. Mercy, compassion, grace. 
These are not just things that God shows once in a while. They are at the very center of his being, who he is, always and eternally. You may have known or heard about a a father who insisted that he loved his child, but who was such a by-the-book stickler for obedience that, that he never forgave an infraction or or gave a favor that was not by his standards deserved. Well, that is not the way that our Father in heaven loves us. He shows us grace, undeserved love, unearned favor from beginning to end. Not grudgingly or stingily, but with unbounded generosity. That is who he is and what he does. And it is the only way for him to save us. Because what every one of us deserves from him is the opposite. Damnation. The Lord is a just and holy God, a by-his-book stickler for obedience. The requirements for entry into his heaven are clear and and non-negotiable. Perfect righteousness, meaning no doing the things that he prohibits, and perfect obedience, meaning doing everything he commands. And none of us, not one, can meet those demands. We are sinners who sin. Even on our best days, we have moments of laziness, show casual indifference to the needs of others, forget to praise and thank God for His blessings, and harbor desires for things or people that are not ours to have. And on our worst days, well, we do much much worse. So any claim that we might want to make to eternal life or even temporal blessings is laughable. We have merited only punishment, and there is no way for us to undo or ignore or balance out our sin. The debt of justice must be paid, and God's wrath must be satisfied. Death and hell are the price for our follies and failures. And this, this is where His mercy enters in. God gives us the opposite of what we deserve. Instead of damning us, He saves us. Instead of death, He gives us life. In place of our guilt, He gives us His own Son's perfect righteousness, the Son who has taken our sin and borne it in our place on the cross. God's sending Jesus to be our substitute in obedience to the law and in suffering and dying for sin is the greatest act of the greatest generosity that the world will ever know. His mercy mattered so much that He sacrificed His only begotten Son, that all who believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As our verse of the day reminded us earlier, 
It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And all of the other blessings that He showers on us, life, health, friends, family, clothing, shelter, joy, confidence, peace, and and so, so much more, all of these are mercy to us too. The opposite of what we deserve according to justice, but what He wants to give us because He loves us. And so it is clear that mercy matters to God, but it matters to us too. His law makes clear that we cannot get eternal life or internal peace or energizing hope or any such thing in any other way. To gain any of those things based on our own work or righteousness, we we would have to obey every one of the Lord's commands perfectly in every way, every day of our lives from beginning to end. And Jesus is the only one to ever do that. We cannot claim God's blessings on the basis of being likable or flattering or sincere. And we can't credit the the faith or blessings of our fathers to our own accounts. We have to believe ourselves, which is the big point that Paul is making here in, in Romans 9, showing the Jews that it is not physical descent from Abraham that guarantees them God's blessings, but having the same faith in God's promises that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses had. And we know that all of those promises were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so, we put our trust in Him for every blessing. And that should help us put everything in proper perspective. It is easy to start taking God's favor for granted and to start mistaking His blessings for things we deserve and others don't. The parable Jesus told in our gospel today vividly illustrates that danger. The workers hired at the beginning of the day become resentful, not because they don't get what they were promised, but because the workers hired at the end of the day get more than they think those shirkers deserve. The vineyard owner reveals the problem with a pointed question. Are you envious because I am generous? They were. They somehow thought that they had gained the right to tell him whom to be merciful to and how much. It was even worse with Jonah. He hadn't wanted to go and preach repentance to Nineveh because he was afraid that those mortal enemies of his nation of Israel would repent. He didn't think it would be right for God to show them mercy. And so he didn't want to tell them about God's mercy, which he knew all too well. And when he finally did, and they turned to the Lord and away from their sin, instead of praising God, he pouted. He took up a position outside the city, hoping against hope, that God would destroy it anyway. And when the Lord challenged his anger, 
Jonah made his claim, completely misunderstanding who did and did not deserve what from God. He forgot how much mercy matters to God. And thus he forgot how much it should matter to him. So don't do that. Let mercy matter to you every day. Hold on to Christ and to every one of God's promises by faith, looking not to your own merit, but to His grace. Remember what Paul tells us here. So then, it does not depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. And when we do put our faith there, when we do hold on that way, we will then also show mercy just as we have received it. But Jonah and the workers in the vineyard failed to do. Once we recognize that all the blessings that we have in our life are undeserved, and that the consequences we do deserve have been graciously withdrawn, then we will quit acting as though other people should only get from us what they deserve. And showing mercy to others is is not just about things like giving to charity or helping out at a homeless mission. It's an everyday, everyday attitude and practice of our lives. Being merciful means patience with our children when they rebel against us. It means not giving back to your spouse the anger or attitude that he or she just gave you. Mercy means giving that friend who let you down another chance or two or twenty. It means not worrying yourself about the price the people on the opposite side in politics deserve to pay, but instead treating them how you would want to be treated. Being merciful means that we are forgiving of past sins, present offenses, and future failures. Because that, that is how we want others to treat us when we are undeserving of of good things, of patience, of understanding, or, or love from them. But mostly it is because this is how God has taught us to be and to live, to love those around us, no matter who they are, as He has loved us in Christ, to show them mercy just as He shows us immeasurable mercy every day and in every way. You know, the book of Jonah ends right where our reading today ends. We are never told whether Jonah learned his lesson, repented of his own sin, and rejoiced that the Lord had shown mercy to Israel's enemies. I think he probably did, and that's why we have the book. But the Holy Spirit gave us that ambiguous ending to emphasize the lesson. Don't get so comfortable with God's blessings that you forget how much mercy matters to him and to you. 
But though we do not know the end to Jonah's story, we do know how our stories end. As God's children, we can be certain that they will end just as they began, with mercy unbounded, love undeserved, and grace unlimited. Our confidence of salvation and paradise rests not in our own righteousness, but in Christ's and his cross and empty tomb. We appeal to and rely on the favor that we do not deserve from a God who is generous in giving to those who have no merit or hope of their own. As Paul tells us, it does not depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. Please rise. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.